Welcome to season 11 of Digital Learning Radio. We're back for another season and I couldn't be more excited. I'm Catherine and I'm happy to be joined by my co-host, Laura. Hi. And for this season of the podcast, we're continuing the conversations of sharing what is inspiring us on our ongoing story of learning. This week, we'll get things started with Laura sharing, and I'm looking forward to hearing what has been inspiring her. I am honored to be here, and I'm ready to jump into another season of great conversations of sharing, reflecting, and learning. And if you're a new listener, welcome. And if you're a returning listener, welcome back. For this series, part of our motivation is to hold each other accountable for not just accumulating knowledge, but also integrating what we've learned into our lives. And I've got to say, we're learning a lot. Mm -hmm. Last season, we shared a number of quick wins and deep dives of things that inspired us to learn. So I think it would be fun to think back and consider what's stuck. How have we integrated what we've learned and shared from last season? Well, if you missed last season, or if you want to review what all we shared, we do have a Wakelet collection that will be in the show notes. I'm going to start off by thinking back to kind of a combination of things that were shared. And one is just this big idea of movement. And this came from the book, The Extended Mind, and also Steal Like an Artist. One idea of movement is just the importance of using gestures. I just realized I'm gesturing now. You really are. You're doing it. (laughs) And thinking about in webinar world, stepping back so people can see gestures. And so that's one piece of the movement. But then also, and this was really talked about in both Extended Mind and Still Like an Artist, the idea of moving for my workspace. And I know, Laura, you want to find a window, but I just Mm -hmm. don't always need to work in the same location. So can I stand? Can I move to a different spot in the building? Do I work on my couch at home? Where do I work? So those were two big ideas from last season that I continue to think about and make sure I integrate that into my life. I love that. I am also continuing to use a lot of ideas that we talked about One of them is, of course, the book, The Art of Gathering, and really just continuing to refine that thoughtful planning and designing. I've also challenged myself to use the solve-in-time problem-solving protocol in some new ways, including virtually. Mm -hmm. And then taking from one of your shares, Catherine, from the power of moments to just really further inspire my thinking for creating these meaningful and memorable gatherings and professional learning experiences, especially especially related to decorations and room aesthetics, something that I am admittedly not great at, but um, <laughs> hearing all of these things from a, a variety of resources has really made me think about uh, designing this good, powerful moment. So lots uh, has been learned and I think also applied, which is great. Well, Laura, I am always with you and still pulling information from the art of gathering. So I think that's a conversation that we could continue um, to eternity with ideas from that. Great ideas. And I'm thankful that we had the opportunity to dig into these ideas and share them and that we are actually using them in our real worlds. 
Absolutely. Okay. Well, thinking about sharing, one thing I love about our podcast structure is having the opportunity for each of us to share some learning. So continuing the practice from last season, before I dive in to share what's inspiring me, I'd love to hear from you. Catherine, tell us about a quick win that's inspiring you this week. Okay. I have not tried this yet, but I love this idea so much. And it comes from a very recent Nortex's ITS meeting. And it's the idea of including Easter eggs in presentations. An Easter egg, if you're not familiar, is just a little hidden gem of something. I typically hear about Easter eggs in movies or in websites, but Heather Sanders from Burleson ISD showed how she includes little stickers or gifts in her presentations. And they're usually just in the corner of the slide. But if you select that little icon, then you get additional resources or you get a little joke or you get some follow-up information. And I just thought that was so brilliant and so engaging. And she shared her TCEA presentation. I went through and I found every one of those little (laughs) stickers in there. So I was definitely engaged. And I'm just thinking about, we're kind of in our summer planning mode right now. Mm -hmm. And I'm just thinking, oh, well, that is such a perfect little extra to share in the presentations. Oh yeah, that is such a fun idea. And I love being able to find Easter eggs in movies and uh, yeah, the idea of uh, just putting those sporadically through your presentation is really fun. And like you, I'm a person who will click on anything. And so uh, the ability to just hide some things that are fun and whimsical and like a joke and other things that are additional resources, very cool idea. So glad that you shared it. Okay. So follow up, um, maybe in a later episode to see how I've incorporated Easter eggs. (laughs) So now we're going to move into our big learning piece. And this season, we're going to use a reflective protocol to guide our conversation for each episode's deep dive. We're going to consider the what, so what, and now what, as we share. For the crux of the conversation, the person sharing will provide what is inspiring them to learn, and then they'll share the so what and why it's important to them. Finally, we'll wrap up the conversation with now what to explain all of the details and the next steps and how they plan to use that information. So Laura, let's get it started with you and tell us about the what. What is inspiring you to learn this week? Well, I love that we're using a conversation structure that got a shout out in the book, Compassionate Coaching, because my inspiration today actually comes from Kathy Perrette and Kenny McKee. It's included in their Compassionate Coaching book, and it's the idea of practicing priority listing. Now, I know that I've talked about ideas from this book on the podcast before, but this is one specific strategy that I think is really timely right now and one that I have revisited and been thinking a lot about in the past couple of weeks. So I wanted to bring it to the podcast today. I cannot wait to hear the details and that sounds super interesting. Let's pull up the timer and I know Laura, this is sometimes a little struggle for you, Mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. uh, in 60 seconds or less, give us the gist and tell us about priority listing. 
give me that timer. I'm ready. (laughs) So basically this is a structure that's designed for educators to help prioritize work during times of overload to really tackle the relatable question when everything you do or want to do as a teacher is a blur. How do you even start to determine your most important goals? So practicing priority listing is a multi-step process of listing and sorting goals into categories to find a way to rank them by priority, as well as their relationship to the work that educators do. This process helps uncover teachers' top three priorities by asking what feels most pressing, what feels most important, and what makes a difference to students. This process can help sift through competing commitments and the overload of initiatives and all that comes with being a teacher, particularly right now. And it's a process that, again, has really been on my mind recently. Ooh, one second to spare. Woohoo! All right, I'm doing it. I've kicked off the season on a good note. Like 58 seconds there, Laura. Excellent. Okay, well, I am so excited to hear more about this process. And it sounds like you said perfect timing for understanding priority list listing. So let's dive in a little bit deeper and tell us more to answer. So what about practicing priority listing is inspiring you? First, it's really the relatability and timeliness Mm -hmm. of experiencing overload and needing to sift through so many things to do, as well as just the practicality of tackling them in this way. So Kathy and Kenny describe the dense mental fog that comes Mm -hmm. with feeling overloaded, and they call it this heavy yet vague pressure of watching individual goals float in and out of our minds over and over, and the stress that comes with knowing that there are so many things to do that we're sure to to forget something. And so that really resonates with me because that's such a perfect description of uh, how it feels to be alive a lot of the time. But they counter by saying the more strategic and focused teachers are, the less likely it is they will become lost in the whirlwind of their teaching lives. Oh my gosh heavy yet vague pressure that that is absolutely a perfect description. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Yes. Okay. So let's hear more. Give us some details about the process. And then can you dive into those categories that you mentioned that have to do with the relationship to the teacher's work? Sure. So the way this works is this, the idea is to first make a list of all of your current goals. And sometimes this is really lengthy and exhaustive and other times it might just be a few things that come to mind, but really taking the time to jot down on paper or in a digital tool to get all of those goals that are floating in and out of your brain out and on paper. And then from there, you go through this process to begin to number the goals and consider which are top priorities, and you ask yourselves three questions. So the first question is looking at your list of goals, what is most pressing? And so once you identify that, this goal gets marked with a number one, and it can help what Kathy and Kenny call your primary stressor. So sometimes you can take care of this pretty quickly, like maybe this primary or most important goal is finishing designing tomorrow's lesson. And it can do this thing to help lift some of your mental cloud by identifying, okay, this goal is most pressing. We're going to tackle this first. 
oh, well, if I can get rid of a primary stressor, then <laughs> I, I am going to believe in this process, but yeah, please let me lift my <laughs> mental cloud yeah, too. Yeah, absolutely. So after you've identified what is most pressing, we're starting to lift some of that mental cloud. The second question to ask is looking at the remaining goals. What is most important? And so this helps shed light on what Kathy and Kenny call the big picture. And so really when we're looking for this goal to mark, to be our priority goal, number two, we're looking for a personally meaningful or really big picture goal. What's most important and thinking about classroom life, this really might be something that's focused on classroom instruction or curriculum, something that is important and part of this big picture. From there, as we continue to look at the remaining goals and sift and sort through, and we're looking for priority number three, we ask ourselves, what makes a difference for your students? And thinking this way can really help reveal or remind you of your why and a passion you have for meeting the needs of your students, why we're doing this and why we're sifting through all of these goals to begin with. And accordingly, Kathy and Kenny call this goal, the passion. So the next step in priority listing is to review the remaining goals from your original list and ask yourself three additional questions about each item as you consider crossing some things out for now. So those three questions are, are there serious repercussions for me professionally if I let go of this goal? Do I have the time right now to meet this goal? And will meeting this goal improve the quality of my day-to-day -day work for students? And if the answer is no for all three, then Kathy and Kenny recommend streamlining and crossing that off the list for now, naming these things your distractors. And so I love, love, love the idea and kind of the freedom of marking some things off, knowing that you'll revisit them later, but like, no, this is not a goal for me right now. And then finally, as you review your list of numbered priorities and cross out those distractors, the remaining goals are categorized as these not nows. And so you might revisit them as they take a higher priority later. But for now, as you consider sifting through the many things you need to do, they get tabled for the time being. Okay. My mind is racing. Mm. First of all, crossing some things off and putting them aside as the not nows, that's a little bit, I, I think like, no, I've got to do all of these. Mm -hmm. So giving myself permission to do that and just putting them over as the not now, I think that is very freeing. I know you've shared this with coaches. Has that been a problem for them as well? Like crossing off and putting them as not nows? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and even like for myself, that feels kind of scandalous yes, to yes. cross something off without having done it. But if you organize this thinking on paper, or I actually created a, a Google doc template, that's just a, a table that has these questions. They're still there. Uh, and so going back to that original thinking of that vague stress of them floating in and out of your mind, you've written them down, you've captured them, but being able to categorize them. And like you said, give yourself permission to put these away for now is actually, it feels scandalous, but is pretty freeing as well. And so, yeah, this has resonated really well with coaches and thinking about how to coach teachers in a time of overload and overwhelm. Excellent. The other thing I like about this process is having that centering on the students. Mm -hmm. So really what's making a difference in the students' lives. And then I guess as those of us who are 
leaders or administrators you could change into your teachers' lives or into your customers' lives. If absolutely region 10. So that priority as well needs to be at the forefront of everyone's mind, but I, I, kind of like that it's step three. So it's not the first thing. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I also like keeping that phrase students, even if you aren't in the classroom and mm-hmm. it, it kind of reminds us of our why, uh, and the why really is the effect for students. And so asking, okay, what makes a difference to students and just explicitly naming it, I think is really powerful. You're right. That is very important. Okay. This sounds like an amazing process. Is there anything else you'd like to share, Laura? Mostly just reiterating the practicality of going through this process and the necessity of having a practice in place to help resurface and guide us through times of overwhelm. And I really like that it's aligned to the world of education. I think often we learn about strategies or things and we tweak them to make it work for us. But I really like that this is created and designed for educators. uh, And so we don't have to make something work from the business world. uh, And so that is really appealing to me as well. So I'll leave us with one more quote from Kathy and Kenny that I think sums this up really nicely. And so they say, feeling overloaded is far too common a barrier, and it's one that prevents teachers and other educators from doing their best work. It can also lead to the much more dangerous state we call burnout. But effective support of teachers to become more focused and less stressed results in better teaching and learning for students. Mm. And again, bringing it back to students, naming this teetering balance into burnout that I think is really prevalent right now, just kind of hits the nail on the head. And and I like that it is coupled with this really practical step-by-step process to sift through all of those things and remember what is pressing, what's important and what's important to students. So love it. Excellent, excellent share. And like you said, so extremely timely. And you're right. I have not seen anything offered specifically for educators. So thank you. Thank you, Laura. Okay, this reminds me of a book I read at the beginning of 2020 called Essentialism by Greg McEwen. And in the book, he says the word priority was singular and it's always been singular until the 1900s. Then Mm. we pluralized the term and we started talking about priorities. And I think a problem that I've seen with educators with myself, hand raised, is that I'm like, oh, I have 37 priorities. No, you can't have 37. (laughs) You need to have that number one, what is most pressing Mm. right now. So really honing in into those. So I love that Kathy and Kenny have provided this process for us. Okay. So I never thought about that, but that is true. Like the word priority really is just a a singular word Mm -hmm. and having never thought about it, it is strange that we have many priorities and competing priorities and uh, interesting. Okay. Good share. 
a follow-up question for you. Did this perhaps come from Readwise? <laughs> yes, it possibly awesome. did. And I will say that is still, I listed that in episode one last season. I listed on my favorite things. It is still a favorite thing. And shout out to Readwise yet again for capturing those quotes so they will resurface. <laughs> Connecting learning all the time. I yeah. love it. Love it. Love it. Okay. Finally, another idea we're practicing from last season and continuing this season is to use each episode as a place to launch further thinking. We want to challenge each other to apply what we share as we consider now what? So Laura, now what? What are some next steps from here and how might you incorporate ideas from priority listing into your work or further your learning? Okay. So first it is a time of overload and overwhelm right now. Mm -hmm. And I think maybe more so than ever. So I have shared this with teachers and coaches quite a bit lately and I've gotten some good feedback that's really made me think, which is one of the reasons I brought this to the podcast today, about that shift in thinking that comes with the idea of including that passion priority that asks what's important to students by making our implicit motivation more explicit by naming it and listing it. Mm -hmm. uh, I had a teacher kind of share this revelation recently that again impacted me where she said, you know, I, I make a, a to-do list and, and all these things that I have to do. And I know that it's about the students but I never even consider them or name them. Mm -hmm. And I, I honestly think about it as two separate things. And so <laughs> she was like, this is really powerful and interesting to put them together and also explicitly name that. And so that has helped me go through this practice as well, thinking about my why and why am I doing all these things? Why do I have these goals to begin with? So I created a Google Doc template that puts this process just into a table to help organize that thinking. And I have used that process for myself, especially helping me determine priorities for designing professional learning for educators for this upcoming summer. So I have a lot of ideas. I have a lot of goals and this has really helped me kind of streamline my thinking. And yeah, I really agree that having this category for naming what would make a difference to students is really clarifying to have it explicitly written mm -hmm. out. I also like those qualifiers for the not now items. And it actually reminded me of a practice from the minimalist teacher, a book that I talked about last season on the podcast with this idea to declutter your to-do list. Mm -hmm. So honestly, my next steps here are to keep it up and remember to use this process, especially in times of feeling overwhelmed. Okay. I will definitely admire and acquire this. And I love your document and I'm going to figure out how to use that as well as with my work. So thank you. Thank you. We'd also like to extend the invitation to you, dear listener, to share your ongoing story of learning as well. Take a moment to pause and think wherever you're listening from and consider what ideas have you heard today that have sparked your interest and inspired further learning about priority listing. And new this season, join us for an experiment. After listening to our episode, you are invited to complete a reflection form linked in the show notes to share what you learned and how you plan to integrate this information. 
You'll then receive a, a certificate of credit for your thoughtful responses. You may also find us on Twitter at DigLearnRadio to continue the conversation and share your learning that's inspiring you this week. This season, we're dedicated to sharing our learning and the things that are inspiring us. We hope that when we share, the conversation and ideas will cultivate curiosity and inspire you to explore one of the resources, reflect on a question we've asked, or continue the conversation with us online. Reflect to consider the what, now what, and so what of your thinking, and then share your learning inspirations and ideas from this episode and beyond. We are, as ever, inspired to learn from Gail Allen and her work in the new pillars of modern teaching. She reminds us that when we share, we add a sentence to the story we communicate about ourselves to the world. Let's continue learning, sharing, and transforming. Let's get inspired.